Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. In this episode, we set sail on a grand nautical adventure that sparked extensive exploration of lands previously unknown to Europeans. Join me as we continue our in-depth examination of the Great Age of Discovery. European exploration outside the Mediterranean Sea started in the early 1400s and followed many currents that eventually led, before the century's end, across the Atlantic Ocean to North American shores. The age of exploration led to the rise of global trade and colonial empires, instigating contact between the Old World continents of Europe, Asia, and Africa with North America. The age of exploration allowed the mapping of the planet, resulting in a new world view and distant civilizations coming into contact. The era also saw the military conquest and economic dominance of foreign lands, as well as the spread of European civilization and its advanced technology. The silk and spice trade, involving incense, herbs, drugs, and opium, made Mediterranean states phenomenally rich. Spices, imported from Asia and Africa, were among the most expensive and demanded products of the Middle Ages, as they were used in medieval medicine, religious rituals, cosmetics, perfumery, as well as food additives and preservatives. Portuguese explorer and navigator Ferdinand Magellan set sail on grand sea adventures that sparked extensive exploration of lands previously unknown to Europeans. Conquistadors led the European search for the Spice Islands during the Age of Exploration, an unrelenting pursuit for the riches of the Orient, sailing into uncharted waters, conquering territory, opening trade routes, and bringing colonialism to much of the world, including the North American continent. Charles Kimball of the History of Southeast Asia podcast has graciously agreed to share his views on the daring feats of these celebrated adventurers on their quest for the Spice Islands during the remarkable Age of Conquistadors. In the late 15th and early 16th centuries, Europeans couldn't get enough of spices, and Portugal and Spain were in a race to get to the source of those spices. Upon arrival at the Spice Islands, the Portuguese took on a valuable cargo of nutmeg, cloves, and other spices. It had taken nearly a hundred years for Portugal to find out where the Spice Islands were, and because the trip was so long, many people paid more attention to the hazards on the way than they did to the rewards at the end of the journey. This is how Columbus got the idea that if he sailed west from Europe instead of east, he would find a fast track to the Orient. Another who felt that way was a Portuguese adventurer, Fernão de Magalhães, better known to us by his anglicized name, Ferdinand Magellan. Born in 1480 as the son of a rural squire, Magellan got his start as a page at the court of Portugal's Queen Leonora. No doubt he was inspired by the stories of Portuguese explorers, like Vasco da Gama, because he studied mathematics and navigation, two useful skills to have when you are a member of a ship's crew. In 1505, he got the lucky break to get started in a career on the seas, when he sailed to India in a squadron commanded by Francisco de Almeida, the first Portuguese viceroy of India. Magellan played his part in the Portuguese adventure by taking part in the expeditions to Malacca in 1509 and 1511, and then he was on the expedition that went to the Spice Islands in 1512. After that, he returned to Portugal, 
was promoted to the minor nobility for his previous actions, sent on a military mission to Morocco, and got wounded in the leg, which caused him to walk with a limp for the rest of his life. Upon his return from Morocco, Magellan was given a safer assignment, where all he had to do was supervise the loot that had been brought back to Portugal. With this job, there was naturally a temptation to steal something, and Magellan was soon accused of doing this. Although he was cleared of the charges, he had become annoying at the court in the meantime, for frequently demanding that he should have been rewarded better for his services. So King Manuel I decided that in the future, he would use Magellan as little as possible. Because of his experiences, Magellan had come to believe that Columbus had the right idea. If a passage could be found through or around the lands Columbus had discovered, it would be possible to sail west to Asia and that would be quicker than the path Portugal had blazed around Africa and across the Indian Ocean. Of course, he first proposed this to his king, but with Portugal fully committed to extending and defending the eastbound trade route it already had, King Manuel wasn't interested. However, Spain had a new king, Charles V, and he was more receptive. His grandmother had sponsored the first expedition of Columbus, and Spain was starting to earn tremendous profits as a result. So when Magellan got five ships in 1519 to look for a westward passage to the Orient, he was now an employee of Spain. Magellan's five ships were named the Trinidad, the San Antonio, the Concepcion, the Victoria, and the Santiago, and he started with 270 crewmen on them. It took a year and a half for Magellan to go from Spain to Southeast Asia. First, he had to find a southwest passage through the Western Hemisphere's continents and he did it by sailing down the South American coast to the strait that now bears his name. But it was by no means an easy cruise, like the one Columbus had from Spain to the Caribbean. Twice, Magellan had to put down mutinies, because Spanish crewmen did not like serving under a foreigner, and before the expedition started, Magellan was ordered to leave behind most of the Portuguese crewmen he had recruited and the weather at the bottom of South America is notoriously bad most of the time. One ship, the Santiago, was wrecked in a storm before it could enter the Strait of Magellan, though fortunately, the other four ships managed to rescue its crew. Then after entering the Strait, some crew members on the San Antonio were spooked by the local conditions, mutinied, and took their ship back to Spain. This was especially bad for the expedition, because supplies were low to begin with, and most of what they had was on the largest ship, the San Antonio. When Magellan learned this, he called the officers to a meeting, made them swear to keep the food shortage secret, and declared the voyage would go on, even if they had to, quote, eat the cowhide off the yard arms, end quote. The three remaining ships reached the other side of the strait after seven weeks of fighting the weather and trying to find a right path through the strait's many waterways. The ocean they now entered was a lot more peaceful than the South Atlantic, and Magellan optimistically named it the Pacific. He thought the Pacific was about the same size as the Atlantic, and that they would be able to cross it in a month. But while the trade winds blew them westward at a good speed, the Pacific turned out to be much larger than any other ocean. What's more, their course through the eastern and central Pacific did not take them near any land larger than a coral atoll. They missed the islands that would have been suitable places for rest and resupply, like Tahiti, Hawaii, and Fiji. The result was that the next three months would be a time of perfect weather and perfect misery. 
By the third month, the crew was chewing sawdust and eating the leather on the rigging. They were also catching the rats in the cargo hold, which they sold to the hungriest among them for half a ducat each. The ducat was a gold coin from Venice, worth about 150 in today's American dollars. The men were so sick from scurvy that it took six of them to do the work of one, and between rainstorms, the water in their barrels became so foul that they had to hold their noses to get a drink. At last, after 98 days at sea, they came to Guam, where they resupplied. A week later, in March 1521, the expedition sighted Leyte, the easternmost island of the Philippines, and Magellan felt like he had been raised from the dead, so he named the archipelago San Lazaro, the St. Lazarus Islands. Magellan did not stay on Leyte for long. The expedition continued into the archipelago. At this point, Magellan should have recruited some native guides to direct him to the Spice Islands. Instead, it seems he forgot the original goal of the expedition. Now he suddenly got the urge to convert some Filipinos to Christianity. He felt that if he succeeded as a missionary, the new Christians would willingly become subjects of the Spanish crown, and Spain would have its first outpost in Asia. At Cebu, he put on a show of Spain's superior technology and fighting ability by firing the cannons on the ships. Then when he offered to baptize the natives, the local ruler, Humabon, accepted baptism, and so did 2,000 of his followers. The price of Humabon's conversion was aid in fighting an enemy chief, Lapu-Lapu of Mactan Island. Mactan is a small island, separated from Cebu by one mile of water. Magellan went to fight on the morning of April 27, 1521. He was so confident of victory that he only took 60 men to Mactan. Humabon brought 600 warriors to help, but Magellan told him to stay behind and watch. His crew could do the job by themselves. Lapu-Lapu heard they were coming and assembled 1,500 warriors of his own to meet them, armed mainly with bamboo spears and poisoned arrows. The resulting battle was one-sided and fought entirely in the water. The Spaniards never got to Mactan's shore. Moreover, they were hopelessly outnumbered, to the point that even having cannon, muskets, crossbows, steel swords, and steel armor could not win the battle for them. Only eight of Magellan's 60 men survived. Magellan was not among them. Sources disagree on exactly how Magellan was killed. One account says that several native warriors ganged up on him, while another account, the one today's Filipinos prefer, asserts that Lapu-Lapu cut him down in a one-on-one -on -one fight. Nowadays, both Magellan and Lapu-Lapu are venerated in the Philippines. Magellan for discovering their islands, and Lapu-Lapu because he was the first Filipino to resist colonialism. Magellan's death gave Humabon second thoughts about the alliance. After the Battle of Mactan, only 120 of the original 270 crewmen were left to the expedition. This was not enough to man all three ships, so they burned the ship in worst shape, the Concepcion, and divided her crew and provisions between the other two, the Trinidad and the Victoria. The crew had no idea where to go, so they wandered aimlessly for six months. Finally they reached the Spice Islands. Because the Portuguese had a base on Ternate, they went to the rival island of Tidor and loaded a cargo of cloves. In fact, they overloaded, for the Trinidad sprang a leak and could go no farther. Fortunately for the crew, no Portuguese ships were in the Moluccas while they were there. Getting captured by the Portuguese would have ended the expedition for sure, 
Still, Juan Sebastian del Cano, the expedition's new commander, did not want to press their luck and decided to reduce the risk by having the ships go home by different paths. He would leave immediately with the Victoria and continue to go west, while the Trinidad, after it was repaired, would head east across the Pacific, going back the way it came. Once the Trinidad got moving again, it reached the Mariana Islands and turned north, but failed to catch the west wind needed for an eastbound course. Then the ship limped back to the Moluccas, and this time the Portuguese caught her. Meanwhile, the Victoria and 18 of its crew members made it to Spain in September 1522, almost three years to the day after they had left. Add to that 17 men captured and later released by the Portuguese, and you have 35 survivors for the whole expedition. Because the Victoria also brought back 26 tons of cloves, King Charles saw the expedition as a success, despite all the losses. Who owns the islands of Southeast Asia? Back in 1494, Pope Alexander VI tried to prevent future wars between Spain and Portugal by issuing the Treaty of Tordesillas, which divided the whole non-Christian world between those two nations. You may think the Pope had no business getting involved in foreign policy, but this was before the Reformation, and the typical medieval Pope thought that because he was God's agent on earth, he outranked every king, so he could draw the frontiers between nations wherever he liked. The Pope's dividing line was drawn from north to south, and declared to be 370 leagues west of the Cape Verde Islands. According to the 1494 treaty, all new discoveries west of that line belonged to Spain, while everything discovered east of the line belonged to Portugal. That was good enough while the Iberian nations were restricted to Europe, Africa, and the Americas. But when they got to the Pacific, it became necessary to draw a similar property line on the opposite side of the world. It seemed logical to simply continue the Tordesillas line over the North Pole to the other side. The problem was that nobody knew where this so-called anti-meridian actually ran. While it was easy for a navigator to determine the latitude of his location by measuring how high the sun or certain stars were in the sky, before the invention of the chronometer in the 1760s, there was no accurate way to determine longitude. When a navigator was in unfamiliar territory, all he could do was guess how far he traveled each day, and use that to figure how far east or west he was, a process called dead reckoning. As you might expect, with dead reckoning, it is dreadfully easy to make a wrong guess, and this meant maps of the Pacific were full of errors, causing explorers to discover the same islands more than once. Because a ship had sailed around the world, Spanish cartographers now knew how big the world was, but they overestimated the size of Asia and underestimated the size of the recently discovered Pacific. In 1521, Ferdinand Magellan stumbled upon the Philippines, a place Europeans didn't know about previously. But instead of gaining anything from this discovery, Magellan got involved in a native quarrel and was killed. Then the surviving members of his expedition eventually found their way to the real goal, the Spice Islands of eastern Indonesia. The Victoria, one of Magellan's ships, returned to Spain. Although the expedition had lost the other four ships, and nearly seven-eighths of its men had died or deserted, the cargo of spices brought back was worth more than the cost of outfitting the ships and hiring the crew, so the expedition ended up turning a profit. Charles did not give credit for this success to Magellan, 
but to Juan Sebastian Delcano, the commander after Magellan's death. He rewarded Delcano with a coat of arms that showed a globe and the Latin motto, Primus Circumdedisti Me, meaning, First to Circumnavigate Me. Though the voyage was Magellan's idea, he was largely forgotten. Portugal did not want to remember him because it regarded Magellan as a traitor, while Spain viewed Magellan as a foreigner who shouldn't have been put in a leadership position because he almost wrecked the whole enterprise. It was in the 19th and 20th centuries when Magellan's name was rehabilitated, allowing him to take his place as one of the shapers of the modern world. Next time, we continue our in-depth examination of the Spanish conquistadors who left their mark on North America. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying visuals, including maps, charts, timelines, photos, illustrations, and diagrams. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you're enjoying the ride. Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calotrin Healthy Weight Loss Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calotrin. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 45 pounds. Calotrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body which decreases as we age. Taking Calitrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calitrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word HISTORY to the code 30605 and we'll send you a link to this special offer. Again, text HISTORY, that's H-I-S-T-O-R-Y using the code 30605.